0: Little guys,
1: huh? I am a master of Kung Fu.
0: Ah. Uh, teach no Kung Fu? Por Smoochie Smoochie? Hmm? Uh,
2: I will teach you. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, uh, once again, welcoming in our buddy Amanda Swell of Swell Entertainment on YouTube to keep up what has now become an annual tradition as we are talking about our top 10 feared films of this upcoming film year. Uh, is it a weird episode to have at the end of April when the year is almost half over? Eh, it's not
1: for me to say, but probably. I'm your co-host, Mike. co-host, Mike. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, we're uh, really happy to be doing this one again. It's that week for us, right? We just came off The Northman, which is, in a shocking twist, a negative review for us. And here we're doing our top 10 feared films. So this is like we're in the mode right now Mm -hmm. of worrying about movies. We're in the mood. And we couldn't have a better guest who loves bad films. (laughs) This is... You really do love bad films, but you also I like you fun, also like punching movies. up with us.
0: Yeah, no, I right. like mm-hmm. I personally like fun bad movies. Like Morbius was a disaster and the only good thing about it is it's making me money from the video I made on it. That's the <laughs> only upside to Morbius <laughs> and I will die on that hill.
2: You do have a blood feud with Jared Leto as well. You don't trust him as a human being or as a man.
0: I mean, I do think he's a cult leader, but it's also, like, not a fun right. cult. It's, like, a narcissistic <laughs> cult, which is, like, what's the point? Like, be creative.
2: <laughs> he's rehashing. Yeah, he's, he's old hat for this with his cult He's followers. just wearing,
0: he's like, oh, look, I look like Jesus. Like, go go kick rocks. My God.
2: Did, did you, speaking of looking like Jesus, which Alexander Skarsgård kind of does in The Northman, did you see The Northman yet, Swell, or no?
0: I have not. I'm trying to go to CrimeCon this weekend, which is Crime Coachella, basically. Um, and so <laughs> I have been super busy trying to get ready to be out of town for a week, so, or for, like, a weekend. So I have not had time to go to the
2: movies. I'm very interested to hear your reaction, your take on it once what you finally do.
1: does one wear at Crime Coachella? Please, please. That's what well, I. Uh, the about the here.
0: we did get a dress code, uh, and it is respectful, casual, because there are victims and survivors and oh their families and Oh Jesus attendants. Christ!
1: Oh my God. So terrible uh, question by me, first of many. But- I
0: will not be wearing uh, pasties if that's your
2: question.
1: <laughs> uh, that was not my. question. I don't think it was. That was not my question. But <laughs> I. Okay, this is a, <laughs> off to a rousing start. You lost
3: the plot. <laughs>
1: No, I was just curious because we were just inundated on film Twitter there for Coachella questions and everybody had the hats. Mm. It was almost turning into like, you know, L.A., you know, whatever post-hipster Kentucky Derby out there.
0: Well, you know, to self-plug myself, tomorrow, uh, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but at the time of recording this tomorrow, I have a video coming out called The Culture of Influencer Coachella, because I do think Influencer Coachella and Coachella are two different things. (laughs) So I have a whole breakdown, if anyone's interested, coming on my channel.
2: Nothing Perfect. gave me more joy than seeing that TikTok of the, the influencer bus and people like struggling to get on it to leave Coachella. It was OK. Start, OK. But.
0: Main thing that was Revolve Fest was not Fire Fest. It was not that deep. They waited for two hours. My God, I waited longer for TanaCon. I've waited longer to get into concert venues. <laughs> Calm down. It's not that serious. You went to the desert and you didn't bring water. I'm sorry. That's on you. Like, I don't know why I like, these people...
2: All three of us being in a combative mood is really going to make this episode go just swimmingly, I think, with some of the picks we have. So I'm excited about that <laughs> because I think there's some fights to come. But if you have if you weren't in, uh, joining us last year for this episode, what we've done, the three of us, Swell, Mike, and myself, we each picked three movies uh, that are either Oscar-baity or that should do well at, bo- uh, at the box office or these big properties or small properties that should get critical acclaim. And we have reasons to worry about them. And we'll give you our reasons why we're worried about them and then we finish off with one movie the three of us collectively agree on uh, doesn't look like it's it's going to be... uh, At least it has a lot of red flags. Let's say that, uh, at least at the outset.
1: Yeah, and that being said the other two of us will play devil's advocacy or they'll (laughs) pile on. It's one of the two. Like we could go full dark side Mm -hmm. and and put a check on film Twitter and the hype machine that that film Twitter can be, et cetera, et cetera. Or we could uh, play devil's advocacy in in, in certain instances, like, you know, all of swells picks, we're going to do that. (laughs) Uh, But look at last year, last year we had some misses like swell. Cruella turned out to be fashion joker. That kind of worked.
0: I was proved wrong. I will admit that. I thought it was going to be a Hot Topic cash grab uh, with the amount of uh, one-liners they fit into the trailer. It was impressive. I was like, wow, these are all going to be t-shirts one day. And I was right, but also the movie was not bad, which which genuinely surprised me.
1: And Mike, I was proven wrong. I picked being the Ricardos, which turned out to be a favorite of yours and a an Oscar, you know, three-time Oscar nominated film. So I was dead wrong on that mm-hmm. one. And we were all dead wrong about Clifford the Big Red Dog, which no, of we course weren't. was just <laughs> We were not magnificent. That movie. No. Transcended the genre, double-digit Oscar nominated <laughs> film. Yeah. I'm
0: going to get on a plane and come kick your ass.
1: (laughs) We were mostly right about the rest of our picks, which was pretty cool. So go back and listen to the last year's as well. I I think last year we didn't have as many.
2: I feel like our picks weren't as personal. (laughs) I feel like this year might get personal between the three of us. But Amanda, if you would, the floor is yours. Uh, What is your first pick for your first feared film of 2022?
0: So for the most part, I already warned the mics about this, but most of my picks are based on vibes alone and then also just things I see online. There's no real scientific basis of why I think these movies are going to flop, except for this one. I want it to flop. I am manifesting this movie flopping because I'm tired of seeing these ugly, yellow, (laughs) goblin monstrosities all over everywhere. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru needs to fail. For one, I thought this movie already came out. I thought they already made a Young Gru movie. Did they not? I thought we already got that. I
2: thought they did, too. I'll give you that. I'm pretty sure... I I could be completely wrong, or maybe it was a flashback in one of those other movies, but I thought they did as well.
0: I could have sworn there was a whole movie where it was about, you know, the minions and Gru and how they were, like, babies or something and they grew up with him or something like that. Whatever. But anyway, The Rise of Gru... Well, Here's the plot, first off. In the heart of the 1970s, amid a flurry of feathered hair and flared jeans, Gru is growing up in the suburbs. A fanboy of a supervillain supergroup, known as the Vicious Six, Gru hashes a plan to become evil enough to join them. Luckily, he gets some mayhem-making backup from his loyal followers, the Minions. Together, Kevin, Stewart, Bob, and Otto, a new Minion sporting braces and a desperate need to please, deploy their skills as they and Gru build their first layer, experiment with their first weapons, and pull off their first missions. I'm I'm sorry do we really think that now in the age of the incel this is the time to make fanboy <laughs> supervillain movies do we really think that now is the time Re- truly do we, every
2: do- word of what you just said made me want to see this movie more you
0: are a psychopath <laughs> truly
1: i agree with Ma- that maiden- statement but
0: maidenless behavior is what that is
2: <laughs> wait did you see the tr- the trailer for this
0: No, because that makes it funnier that I chose this because I purposely did not watch the It's
2: (laughs) the most adorable thing in history. I don't don't care.
0: I'm so tired of these. (laughs) (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha, banana. I'm so done. I hate it. Ah, I, I think, it, I think this my is things? ruining language. I think this is ruining language. I think we are setting back society and our language development of children with these ugly yellow thumb looking monstrosities. I think this movie, I want it to fail. I, I'm I'm thinking four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I am thinking, uh I'm thinking this gets pulled from theaters. It does so horrendously badly. Uh, that's my, I'm manifesting it. I am manifesting, I will write it down six times in a journal to make it happen. Minions, The Rise of Gru fails. I want it to happen so bad. I don't know what they have on Steve Carell. He keeps saying he loves making these movies. <laughs> I don't buy it. I don't buy it. They got Michelle Yeoh in this. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't, I don't trust this. I don't, Russell Brand, uh, uh, there's too many people in this movie. I'm done. <laughs>
2: I, I have, that- first question, first question for you.
1: Who hurt you?
0: <laughs> the, what yellow knife-
1: <laughs> Tiny thing hurt you
0: <laughs> Have you seen the rant video Of the young girl holding a minion And having a mental breakdown I, I identify with her on a special. I don't think life. I have um, <laughs> I'm gonna send you this <clears throat> This was a whole thing on This was one of the early popular YouTube rant videos This girl in, with her shitty webcam video Crying and freaking out And beating the crap out of a uh, a Minion's doll that she had found because she just hates them so much she's literally like shaking and <laughs> crying and i identify with her on a spiritual level i'm tired i thought i i thought like okay one minions movie that's all we're gonna get one one more after mm. you know despicable me i adored despicable me uh and then we got you know okay one minions movie i get it the, what are we at seven five what are we the, at this How is many the
1: fifth in? right but they're <laughs> also
0: i was kidding
1: <laughs> yeah they've also Greenlit Despicable Me 4 though, but look, can can you listen to the box office grosses? Despicable Me One, worldwide, $543 million off a sixty-nine million dollar budget. Budgets are actually similar the rest of the way. Despicable Me Two, nine hundred and seventy million. Three One billion dollars, and then minions, one point one five nine billion dollars.
0: Okay, I'm gonna say I say this with the utmost sincerity: (laughs) the kids are not all right. What parents are allowing this? (laughs) Who these kids aren't buying? These kids can't buy their own tickets. What parents are like? Oh yes, I know the our child who uh, is already glaring at an iPad and talking to it like it's its mother. Um, Let's take my child to go see this minion movie where they don't speak in real sentences. Let's do that.
2: <laughs> I think I think I understand where you're coming from, Swell, because after reviewing Clifford and how you said you were upset that there wasn't enough anti-capitalist rhetoric in that no. movie. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: No. The movie itself was a bad movie and there were certain things that I think could have worked in it, but they did not execute it. And it was a lot of in my opinion not trusting children to be as smart as they are, and having to do mm-hmm. like let's let's handhold them through the entire plot of this movie, and then the and so random, when you have this the random movie. good billionaires slash bad uh, eco uh, startups and all of that was just a side thing where I was like, why was this here? <laughs> this
3: is so bad. So when you telling. add
2: the fact that you think that the minions are ruining language development in children, I could see there <laughs> being a synergy between those thoughts. You're just looking out for the betterment of the youth of America.
0: Absolutely, you know I think that kids <laughs> deserve good movies, okay? And I don't think I am wrong in desiring that for the youth of America and the world, okay? So you know what? I I st- I'll stay on this hill. I stay on this hill. I think the Minions are evil, and uh, not in the fun way that the Despicable <laughs> Me movies were. I think this is done. I think we need to just end the Minion agenda, and we will be better for it as a society.
2: I am so excited. To hear the pick when you go against Mike, you came in so hot right now and so angry about a product that I think a, a lot of people love. I, I I don't understand where the hatred for these yellow, inoffensive, adorable creatures come from. If You, you basically things, share this screen on your channel things, with, with what is essentially Mike, a minion in Hermes every video.
0: Mike. Okay one he's a goblin Or a gargoyle <laughs> Right now he looks like a possum Because he got a haircut and he looks like a, a, a weird big possum uh, But no. Mike I'm asking you honestly I'm asking you mm-hmm. honestly If you were walking alone at night Okay And you saw <laughs> And you saw A minion on the sidewalk Would you not cross to the other side of the street
2: <laughs> Well yeah I would be terrified You're right
0: Exactly. The end. Uh, End end of discussion. Move forward. Who's next?
2: (laughs) Uh, I'll go with my next film. Uh, My first film, I should say. Um, I don't have minions to obsess over on this, and this is more of an Oscar slant than anything. I kind of already alluded to this in our year in preview episode one, where we covered the upcoming Sony Slate. But I want to dance with somebody... I think I'm either, Whitney Houston biopic, I think I'm either going to be 100% right or absolutely dead wrong, and I don't see much of a middle ground happening with this movie. It's either going to be like this, akin to like, what's love got to do with it, that Tina Turner and Ike Turner biopic that landed two nominees, uh, two Oscar nominations back in 1994, or it's going to be what I think it's going to be, which is a lifetime
1: movie type of thing, and I'm Mm. worried about that. And I have a list of red flags. Isn't that every musical biopic, though? Like, it's yeah. dancing on the edge of that? Like Straight out of Compton would like a word with you about that. Wow, well, that's what I'm that. saying. But yeah. it's either Respect or Judy, and Judy's kind of both. I mean, we've seen this a hundred times. I'm wondering if you're more fatigued with the genre, Michael. Or have you been watching Dewey Cox a bunch recently? Or is this... If Something they
2: replaced else. Whitney Houston with a group of minions, would I be more inclined to oh watch this? Oh my god, Have it- the answer is yes.
1: <laughs> Have you watched all the Whitney Houston documentaries and you're fatigued with the Whitney Houston story? Is that it? I one,
0: wonder how does that story play mouth, with your two. generation swell? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't really know, honestly. I mean, I'm interested in it just for myself, but I mean, as a, as a, speaking as Gen Z and millennial, I have no idea. (laughs) No
2: idea. I am curious about that. Like, I'm sure there's, I would think the Whitney Houston fanatics are more, what, elder millennials, Mike?
1: Um, That's me. You just described me
2: well I'm, I'm asking I'm, I'm asking sincerely like I'm trying to pin who the audience for this can be and if it is mm. whether it is a lifetime movie or whether it is something that's going to be yeah, Oscar everybody potential. between
1: the ages of 35 and 55 now are they going to the movies are they going to the movies mm. on Christmas we've been you know wrestling with this whole thing has so Christmas whether or not it- been
0: a good release date in recent years I don't really know anything. i'm so really.
2: happy you asked that swell because i do have a list of red <laughs> flags and that's the first of those this is a christmas release which hist- i mean i guess you think of that as like oh yeah oscar movies come out around christmas time but lately the christmas release date has been just as many little women in 1917s as it has downsizings and welcome to marwins mm-hmm. like it's it's been those oscar grabby type pictures that don't live up to expectations and kind of fall flat and are, are like oh that's that was a fine movie and then are never really thought of again. They don't really like conjure up these these fervent fan bases. And as far as biopics that have been released around Christmas time, we've had American Underdog on the basis of sex. Like they've been okay movies lately, but they haven't really been Oscar type stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's that's the first red flag to me. The second, this is a young cast, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, as we know. I mean, there's always star breaking performances. Naomi Aki and Ashton Sanders they're playing the role of Whitney and Bobby Brown. But Cassie Lemons, who's the director, who last worked with Cynthia Erivo and Janelle Monet, who are established veterans in Harriet, mm-hmm. Anthony McCartan is a four-time Oscar-nominated nominate, screenwriter who worked with the likes of Anthony Hopkins, um, Gary Oldman, Eddie Redmayne.
1: Starting to get this, because Harriet was... We were not a fan of Harriet. The, neither we weren't, was, yeah. Even though we, mm-hmm. we were really hyped for it. And Anthony McCartan wrote a movie that you and I had perhaps our biggest argument on. I don't remember if it was on if it was on the pod or we did it off the pod, but Darkest Hour, Anthony mm-hmm. McCartan wrote that, and you mm. have been holding a grudge for him. I believe he's a picture on one of your dark boards. You have a lot of dark <laughs> boards in your room. Because you hold grudges, my friend.
2: Well, the two popes shouldn't have been made. Like, that was, but he got, you know, like, yeah, no, I don't Isn't like is half <laughs> of
0: the releases in the last several years, though? Like, this shouldn't have been made, you <laughs>
2: know? You dare talk bad about the Minions.
0: Yeah, that shouldn't have been made. I stand. I stay right. I stay winning.
1: <laughs> I stay winning. So he's a double grudge because D- Darkest Hour and Two Popes. Oh, my God. Right, right. Mm. Uh, but the the point is, I mean, th- these are people who have worked with industry vets.
2: And I'm not saying, obviously, that Naomi Aki and Ashton Sanders aren't possibly well, I mean they're clearly stars on the ride, but Naomi there's a lot of actually, pressure there.
1: She can she can act. I mean she mm-hmm. was awesome in uh small acts for Steve McQueen, Mike. Yeah.
2: I, I'm not I mean like they're like I said, they're both stars on the rise. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to do it. I'm just saying it's a lot of pressure to be put in the situation. Mm-hmm. Christmas release, Whitney Houston's biopic. Clearly those when they hit your ears, they sound like something with Oscar's aspirations. Who knows if it'll actually come to be
0: is there anything else coming out Christmas that's of note right now?
1: Oh, it, oh yeah. Yeah, I there mean, is avatar will be out there's, yeah. there's oh that's stuff.
0: right yeah do we think that's gonna be good be honest
1: kind <laughs> <The, the laughs> <Cinemacon laughs> stuff yeah I kind of think it would happy. be
0: hilarious if it flopped not not that I wanted to do bad I just think it would be hilarious
2: I agree I mean I think I, I I think there's a lot of pressure on something like avatar as well I don't you know I I think the world the industry's caught up with what made that so special when it, when the first one came out like a decade ago.
0: Honestly, I feel like the pendulum's gone too far, actually. I think CGI and yeah. everything has gotten actually worse since that movie, <laughs> to be honest, because it's so relied on now. And mm. it's just very obvious when it's used now, right
1: now. Look, I, I've i said this on the Year in Preview series. I think, uh, I think we should not underestimate the uh, technical hubris of one James Cameron. I think he will innovate. <laughs> But look at um, Shazam: Fury of the Gods, and then Mike and I had some red flags for a man called Otto, starring mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. Those are the big, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas time releases, mm-hmm. uh, along with this one, yeah.
2: And Sony's going to have more on its plate to do on os- in the Oscar season than just the Whitney Houston biopic. I think if they want to tout that, I, I, they they do have a. Fl- I mean, I know the Woman King is one of those that seems like it's got Oscar's legs. TriStar is producing this movie, which is a subsidiary of Sony as well. But TriStar lately has had more Oscar grabby type stuff than Oscar stabbies. I mean, The Walk, Money Monster, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, Happiest Season—that's all stuff that when it was in the pipeline, seemed like it might have Oscar's legs, and all fell flat. So. I, I I have concerns about I want to dance with somebody. I, I want it to live up to its potential. I don't know that it will.
1: Well, I think you should rewatch The Bodyguard. I think you should mm. uh, re-listen to her music. And it's hard. It's hard to screw it up. That's this. I want to dance with somebody. To me, should more be in the category. This is hard to screw up because it's just built in. Like you're gonna get the musical goods. And she's got a crazy real life story, Mike, and you got a great dramatic actress playing the role. So I want it to be good. I, I agree with everything you just said. I want
2: it to to live up to its potential. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. I think you're you are biased on the genre, and you probably have seen the documentaries. Yeah, have you seen a? You've seen one Whitney Houston documentary, and it's kind of a heartbreaking story. Yeah, That's a very like, sad story.
2: Yeah, it's a very, yeah. it's an incredibly sad story. Absolutely.
1: Swell. Do you think Mike's going to be right about I want to dance with somebody?
0: I mean, I should hope so, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of biopics in the last couple of years have been kind of hit or miss. You know, just as a genre mm-hmm. for media.
1: Speaking of hit or miss, Adam <laughs> Sandler makes movies for Netflix, and he's got a new one called Specimen. Spaceman, excuse me. Leo Sp- Spaceman. Shaman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a thirty rock. J- thirty rock joke. Uh Carrie Mulligan, Adam Sandler, Paul Dano, they are in the movie Spaceman, directed by Johan Rank of Chernobyl. Guys, here's the official synopsis from Netflix. And, and this is for the book, essentially, as well. An intergalactic odyssey of love, ambition, and self-discovery, orphaned as a boy, raised in the Czech countryside by his doting grandparents, Jakub Prohaska has risen from small-time scientists to become the country's first astronaut, Adam Sandler. Astronaut. (laughs) (laughs) Czech astronaut. When a dangerous solo mission to Venus offers him both the chance at heroism at the heroism he dreamt of and a way to atone for his father's sins as a communist informer, he (laughs) invent he ventures boldly into the vast unknown. But in so doing, he leaves his behind his devoted wife Lenka, whose love he realizes too late. Uh, he has sacrificed on the altar of ambitions, yada, yada, yada. Alone in deep space, Jakob discovers a possibly imaginary giant alien spider who becomes his unlikely companion. Enough said. <laughs> I don't know wait, what wait, you wait, and Swell wait, want wait. out of your movies.
0: Jakob, Lanka, are they going to be doing accents in this movie?
2: They're Absolutely. Damn well better.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think of Adam Sandler at all doing an accent that would fit this. That's not. Like uh, what's Robert Pattinson in uh, Devil All the Time? Like where it just doesn't fluctuate (laughs) rapidly.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. Adam Sandler might be the worst actor in the history of... Uh, voice performers in terms of nailing accents. Now, he also might be the best in terms of comedic accents. That's mm-hmm. that's a lie, too. He totally phones in every accent. He's almost funny because it's so deadpan and terrible, obviously terrible. I mean, he, he also has to go on like a, a 20 out of 10 scale to make his accents work in terms of his overacting. He always does this, whether it's comedy or drama. So mm-hmm. the fact that this is going to be Directed by the the guy who did Chernobyl, which is the least funniest miniseries in the history <laughs> history. Of is this going to be series. a comedy?
0: Is that what they've decided? Because this this breakdown does not seem comedic. It seems like it's trying to be more serious than it thinks. Like like it's taking itself too seriously. But like I, I don't re- I wouldn't read this like somewhere and be like oh yes comedy you know.
1: So I th- I'm guessing it's going to have some comedic notes. And Sandler can play those, obviously. I don't know if this d- director can handle those from his CV. I don't know him that well. I know he's done some Breaking Bad's and that show, Danced on the Knife, comedy and drama at times. But like, apparently him and the spider are going to have all these philosophical conversations. I
2: was going to say, did you guys not <laughs> hear about the possibly imaginary giant alien spider? Like, This can't be fully serious, I wouldn't think.
0: Well, okay, okay. you got to be aware. This movie may do well for one thing alone book talk okay. on TikTok and their ability to uh fetishize uh. any monster like thing in a movie. Oh, you That's think it's going to be
1: That's a fair you, point. You think it's going to be a Station 69 situation with that spider? <laughs> I
0: don't know. I think I think people are simping over the uh, uh, over Khonshu and Moon Knight, who just has a bird skull head. Okay, because he's tall. That's it. And he sits like someone who swings dick. What? That's it. Okay. I think that the internet is insane and unhinged. And I think they don't figure it
1: out. Of all the mental images t- of today's podcast, Konchu's dick <laughs> is the last. <laughs> Oh, I we all know it's getting get. to
2: this point eventually.
1: <laughs> but okay, Spaceman <laughs> is not gonna be Apollo thirteen or even gravity. We know that much. So they're gonna be balanced this they're gonna be balancing this genre kind of uh you know, medley, I would say. I'm and sorry, I don't off know topic. if he could do it or not. Mm-hmm.
0: I am picturing Adam Sandler and <laughs> gravity and it's very funny. <laughs>
2: Well, that's, okay, so that's where I wanted to go first. It's like, Mike and I were basically raised on Adam Sandler stuff. I, again, right. I, I'm, I'm always curious the divide between the generations here. What, what do your people, you youngins, swell, <laughs> like, how do you guys view Adam Sandler?
0: I mean, he's always been, he's always been, like, the funny guy in movies to us, you know, I would say. I, like, I got, how old was I when the first Grown Ups movie came out? Like, just off the top of my head. Um... I think I was, did. I see both in theaters, like a psychopath. Don't, I may have.
1: Do, you, do you, I really don't want to know the answer to this question? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna make me feel bad. Just so depressed. No, but I. <laughs> so old. No,
0: but like my. I mean, personally, for myself, my dad has always fostered a love of movies for me. You know, so like I, you know, was raised on quite a bit of. I was raised shown quite a bit of Adam Sandler movies. You know, so for me in particular. I mean, I don't think there's any generation right now that doesn't know who Adam Sandler is, at the very least. Like, he he's touched every form of everyone's content to some degree.
2: So he's still beloved to, to you guys.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say beloved. I would say that he's, you know, at least in our, uh, like, in he's attached to beloved projects, potentially. But I don't know if he himself okay. is, like, a beloved, like, actor for people.
2: Okay. Interesting. And Mike, as far as like the, I I think the obvious fear with this is something you both already talked about is like, is if this is going to be serious and it's Adam Sandler doing a serious accent, like, yeah, when that hits your ear, you're like, oh God, those could be loaded with red flags, but he
1: did have an accent the entirety of Uncut Gems. Yes, and he had to go way over the top to execute it, and I hated that character with the passion of a thousand (laughs) suns. I I loved that movie
0: so much; it (sighs) filled me with. It was like having an anxiety attack for two hours. It was awful, (laughs) but also amazing. I couldn't handle it.
1: (laughs) Swell, I agree with you that that Uncut Gems movie is absolutely well made, and I like. I could not not watch it again for
0: fun. You know.
1: I hated that experience, movie watching experience, with all my life. And I know so many people love it and they can handle it. And that and that was metal. And the last movie we watched wasn't metal. That was metal. I'll give you guys credit for that. But here we have the director of the darkest, saddest, most dramatic limited series yes. in HBO's history doing this genre blending medley with what probably needs a light touch, but instead we got the you know, most famous over-actor of the last 20 years. With uh, That's
2: not nice to say about Kerry Mulligan.
1: (laughs) With perhaps the weirdest plot uh, that we've seen in a while. So I don't, I just, a lot of red flags. It could blow up in my face like your pick, Mike, where I could be regretting this uh, because Vegas disagrees with me and you obviously disagree with me, Mike. Vegas gives this like 20 to 1 odds, I believe it was, uh, to win best picture for, for it's netflix it. too right yeah netflix so they've been a home for adam sandler movies he's got another coming out uh, lately this might be a passion project that he's forced on them or you know a couple for them this is for him kind of deal mm-hmm. i like the idea that book talk might get behind this too
0: i mean maybe you, been, you never know on, yeah
1: is it a hit book i don't even know maybe i'll read the book and love the book and maybe it'll be unfuck upable. Even with that, I don't know.
0: Oh so. no, D- trust trust Netflix to be able to fuck things up. <laughs> oh, <God.
2: laughs> I've been sitting here the whole time, ever since Swell said she loved uncut gems, wondering how hard the leap would have to be to get her to become a gambling addict and a ge- degenerate like I am. Uh, oh, not, probably not super
0: much. easily. I I have I was raised by, I have alcoholism running in my family. I don't drink for a reason. I have an addictive personality. I really do think, like, I I suck down coffee. Like, it's water. Absolutely, I'd become a gambling addict at the drop of a hat.
1: I'm like you, Swell, and I've sensed this by the fact (laughs) that you did Clifford the Big Red Dog research and the Green Knight research. that just put both of us to there sh- both Mike it's and true. I to shame in it's the true. past. So I think you're the fact that you're such a crack researcher has proven your addictive personality. The, the you... need oh, to be right. My yeah. whole
0: my whole channel is literally here's this dumb thing I'm choosing to take too seriously. Absolutely I have an addictive personality.
2: I made a and whole video so about influencer too, Coachella.
0: Of you think I you think I don't have something <laughs> mentally upsetting about me? Come on. <laughs>
2: You need to get to the East Coast and I just like just I just want like, oh, there's a blackjack table. We should sit down and just let's just see what happens. I just wanna see I'm
0: literally going to Vegas <laughs> this weekend for crime fun. I'll be staying in a, a, a hotel with a casino, so we'll see what happens. <laughs>
2: have you do you gamble? Have you ever tried gambling?
0: Yeah, no, I've gambled. I'm not super great at it, but I also have rules for myself, like I can only spend like a hundred dollars a night or something. Like I, I like that's how much I'm allowed to lose. But also I did that when I had no money, so I've never actually gone and gambled mm. one, now that I have money. So I don't know how psychotic I would get. I would definitely need adult supervision.
2: Uh oh. Instead of making a murderer, this is like making a degenerate. This, this is yeah Netflix's exactly new series. You're gonna be you're gonna be just the queen of Vegas soon. I can't wait. <laughs> I want to be part of it.
0: Oh, I'm gonna write that book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amanda, what's your second film?
0: Okay, this one is also entirely based on vibes, but also two main things that uh, one, the Russo said, which pissed me off. And also Chris Evans, ugly mustache, the gray man. I don't know if this will flop or not, but I know it's I I have a feeling it's going to be upsetting to me more than anything. Like I feel I have a feeling I'm going to be left unsatisfied because for okay, let me tell you about the premise of the gray man. Okay, so it's based on the gray man (laughs) book series by Mark Greeney. And the plot of the film unfolds as the CIA's most skilled mercenary, Ryan Gosling, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets and a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Side note, uh, skilled mercenary. It's my understanding that mercenaries don't actually work for people. They're like four higher goons, basically. Like, oh, hey, we want this person to be killed. You're a mercenary. Cool. Go do it. I don't think the CIA actually has mercenaries.
2: Hmm, It's a fair point. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> okay.
0: Like, by definition, a mercenary is like, oh, yeah, you go do the dirty work that no one wants to actually get their hands dirty with. Why would they be on the payroll? You know, like, he could be an assassin. I don't think he's a mercenary.
1: Hmm. That's just well, me being I...
0: annoying. Sorry. <laughs>
1: no, I enjoy playing semantics in, in plot premises. This is this is going well. Go ahead. We, we do that you. often, yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. So the this is from the... Uh, Netflix.com Tutum articles, side note, I'm annoyed at Netflix not right now, not because of everything else that's going on with their uh, password sharing, but I'm trying to, did you know that Netflix has a store, an official shop, because I didn't, like a, and I'm, I'm like trying and to mortar? review it, no, like an online Wait. shop with official merch from all their shows and stuff.
2: I no i did not idea. i was not aware of that at all yeah
0: okay their their instagram account i have more followers than them that's how no, that's how terrible they are promoting this side note i'm trying to review it for a video and i have been waiting a month a month for my stuff to arrive i keep reaching out to customer support and they just keep saying oh we'll talk to the warehouse nothing comes back i am this close to filing a charge back. that's how terrible they're handling my money so that's my current bone to pick with netflix is they're upsetting my content flow
2: so how much of your picking the gray man has to do with their disruption to your channel
0: oh literally nothing no because again i the mustache (laughs) chris evans does this uh porn stash every couple of movies and every couple of projects (laughs) that i just personally find offensive to anyone who's attracted to chris evans like myself and i just personally think that that's very annoying um so there's that.
2: What else? Well, he, he does have the burden of being uh, like a man who everyone is attracted to. So I think with that kind of like you can't live like that. No, you but can't he's be like the a- hottest ch- man <clears throat> in the world.
0: I do think it's a taunt. It's like you think you st- like the mustache when he does it. It's like the it's like the the movie people are like, you still find him attractive, don't you? <laughs> like, it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying because I hate it. Anyways, uh, the reason that I am annoyed by this movie in particular and why I'm expecting it to be a letdown is because the Russos are directing it. Now, as a whole, mm-hmm. I don't think the Russos are bad directors. And uh, I'm honestly glad they did not cast Tom Holland in this because I don't think that he has the acting chops that. The Russos think he has. Hmm. And I think Cherry proved that. But that's just my opinion. But uh, do I think that Tom Holland is a bad actor? No. I just don't think he's at the level that the Russos want him to be at currently. Anyway, so the thing with the Russos, and I was trying to find this interview, but I could not find it. But it's from last year when they were starting to do filming. But when they were pitching The Gray Man, the Russos were talking about how what they want is to set up a bigger universe of spy franchise for the Netflix uh, platform and so the whole premise of this is to basically just kind of set up its own 007 mm. and so the what's bringing you in to the gray man was basically sequel bait, and it's like yeah this is going to be part of a larger story which to me implies that we're not going to get a complete story with the first movie based on what the russos have done in the past with other movies and things like that and so i my concern is that this is going to feel unfinished Once we actually watched the movie.
2: Did you watch Dune?
0: No, because I refused to. (laughs) Because I thought it was funny.
2: (laughs) Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. I was just curious to know. 90% of
0: of what I do is for the plot and for comedic relief. And so me not seeing Dune is in fact a character trait at this point. I will eventually <laughs> see it. But right now, um, I thought the funniest part of the Dune setup was that they had Zendaya in so much of the promotional materials and also the press tour when she's in a maybe a total of like eight minutes of the movie mm. to try and mm-hmm. get people to require the second movie, which I do think is hilarious.
2: Well, that's exactly why I asked the question, because Dune, I mean, for as as much of a spectacle as it was to look at, and Mike and I were in the minority because we weren't particularly huge fans of the movie at all, but it's clearly sequel bait. I mean, it was made to set up the second part. So I was just curious to know your thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of sequel bait, and I think personally, in my opinion, I think that that's one of the ongoing issues with the Marvel Disney Plus shows is they – they set up the larger universe further for, uh, uh, um, God, what's it called? Sequence four? uh, uh, Phase four. Phase four. four. Phase four. There it is. Okay, yeah. And, um, you know, I just feel like I always feel let down by a lot of the endings of these shows because I personally believe that we deserve complete stories. Uh, It doesn't mean they're finished stories, but I think we deserve complete stories. And I think that, honestly, sequel bait is... Like, it's one thing to end on a cliffhanger for another season or another story or something. It's it's another thing to completely leave whole plot points and abandon things because, oh, we're going to get to that later. I hate that.
2: Mm. Hmm. I have an abstract question that goes to both of your last two picks. Okay. What does a Netflix film flopping look like?
0: See, I don't because know because we know they're right the kings
2: now. of releasing fake numbers, right? Like yeah, 8, exactly. 000, you know, and
0: I also know that it's kind of like okay. So the way that I explain uh, movies for myself lately is because I do movie reviews on my channel. I rarely do uh, streaming release movie reviews anymore because I know that a lot of people are going to see them, whether they heard good things about it or not. Whereas with movie reviews, I am more likely to be in the minority of people talking about that movie without a screener or something like that. And so people are more likely to watch my review of, say, Morbius, which was released in theaters, than, Mm -hmm. say, you know, the next 365 Days movie that just dropped, even though I have previously talked about it, because more people are going to watch that, so they're not going to care what I'm going to say about it. So I think that just by nature of it being on Netflix and it being accessible, people are going to watch it. So it doesn't matter if it's good or not. It's kind of like, what was the... um, The Gal Gadot, Dwayne Johnson, what was that movie?
1: Red Notice.
0: Red Notice, yeah. I don't know anyone who liked that movie, but I know they're talking about making more of them because it got so many views, because a lot of people, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, they're just going to start watching it. And also, again, Netflix doesn't release, you know, the amount of time of the movie that was watched. They just they just release the amount of people that watch the movie, but we don't know if that's five seconds, we don't know if that's twelve minutes, we don't know if that's the whole movie. And so I think that to them it doesn't matter because as long as you're clicking it and watching it for any amount of time, that's a success to them. And so we can pour, you know, quarter of a million quarter of a billion dollars into it like they're doing with season four of Stranger Things, you know.
1: On the one hand, I agree with you in the sense that I think Netflix you know if a tree falls in a forest does it make a sound that's kind of the Netflix uh, Netflix flop uh, question that Mike just ask and asked in a way there but the problem with this uh, the gray man is that it's a like 400 million dollar price tag that they bought the rights to or something I forget what the that... Wasn't it's that, that so much? So big, so big. This is it's a book series. Tentpole. Hang on,
0: now I'm pulling up the. Th- I'm clicking the link. Hold on. This is. Go ahead
1: and continue. This on. is one of the most expensive buys that they've they've jumped into since uh, since starting, uh, and starting to expand and going for these tentpole audiences. And they've, you know, basically hired the most lucrative film directors since James Cameron with the Russo brothers to handle the property. So, they got all these chips you know, on the table for the Gray Man. So it's just not like Spaceman. If Spaceman flops, well, Adam Sandler took another swing, you know, so be it. But Amanda's trying to crush <laughs> their quarter <laughs> four <laughs> earnings or quarter five earnings <laughs> with this yeah. one. Yeah, you're punching up, kid. But the, you're punching up.
0: The Gray Man series, uh, so I just pulled up their Penguin Random House listing. There's 11 books in this series so far. One just dropped recently, it looks like. Um, and the first book premise, it's t- already they have, you know, soon to be a Netflix original film starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, um, because fuck Anna De Armas, apparently. Um, to those who lurk in the shadows, he's known as the Gray Man. He's a legend to convert to, in the covert realm, moving silently from job to job, accomplishing the impossible and then fading away. And he always hits his target. Always. But there are forces more lethal than gentry in the world. Forces like money and power, and there are men who hold these as the only currency worth fighting for. In their eyes, Gentry has just outlived his usefulness. But Court Gentry is going to prove that for him. There's no gray area between killing for a living and killing to stay alive. That's a better premise than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I like Netflix. Come on. I need them to get better. Like I don't. Okay. Like what? What was the premise again? Now I'm gonna look it up again. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. Uh, well, you
2: you you also made a good point about like Mike. You say it's the most prolific directors, but I like Amanda's point. I I, I don't want to slander what they gave us in Endgame and all that. But will you share the Russos or. That bankable? I know what they're doing. Did
0: much. anyone see what was the movie Twelve Bridges? Did anyone watch that?
1: I did not watch I 21 didn't. Bridges, but that they produced yeah. that right. They produced Cherry, or did they direct Cherry? They might have directed Cherry. They but, directed Cherry. Right. So that as directors, they've they've missed what's with uh, non Marvel IP. And oh,
0: did they do? They did extraction. Did anyone watch that? That was the Chris Hemsworth
1: movie. That was a huge Netflix hit by again by the viewership numbers. But I don't. My one caveat to what you said earlier is I do think Netflix knows if people are watching the majority of the film, they have those numbers. No, for I, I know
0: that. I know. The, I bet they, I know, I totally agree that they know that, but they're not releasing it, and I don't think that number matters to them personally.
1: Well, it matters to, it doesn't matter to their PR release, maybe, but it, you know, it does, but it doesn't, it does matter to them if somebody's watching the full movie. Like, if everybody shuts off Red Notice after 20 minutes, they're not going to make Red Notice 2. They're going to make Red Notice 2. See, I think,
2: I think. The truth is somewhere in between of what both of you just said because it's going to depend on how they handle ads. If they have pre-roll ads.
0: Yeah, I was going to say they were talking about that potentially. Yeah, but,
1: they, but yeah. they're they also in the business of having viewers enjoy the product. You know, they, they, they have to be, especially with the streaming. Are ones.
0: we sure about that? Really, with how many sh- with the types of shows that they cancel? <laughs> really, are we sure about that? I,
1: I want to. You think I'm cynical, Mike? I want Mike. to agree with your cynicism, <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm sure about that because I think they. And I, look at it—you're you're not wrong because they've just thrown all the darts at the board, hoping stuff hits. Right? You know, I—I I agree with you. Well, that's Netflix's approach.
2: They're a shotgun. Yeah. They're not a laser beam, like I said the last episode. Like they want to—they want they're every a shotgun, type of fan not name. a bazooka. A laser beam. Well, they are. Like they want—they want every type of fan from every genre and every circle, and they're just going to put out a billion properties and a billion IPs and hope that you. Get intrigued by one of them, as opposed to something like Apple TV, who's like, "Hey, we're going to make Ted Lasso this cultural icon fixation that everybody watches and everybody enjoys."
1: Yeah. yeah, Apple has more of the brand that they try to stick to for the most part, and they go off brand for things like Cherry, and maybe that's why it wasn't such a such a hit um, because it's it's very uh, it's very a very rough watch there, but also it's not good. So there's that. I don't know. I I, I think this one. Has the basis in IP. The IP seems to be super popular, and at least in book form. But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't adapt. I don't know. Is this
2: a book series or a book at all that either one of, I mean, I swore off reading after law school, so I don't read, period, anymore. But have either of you, I know you both like I don't books. like
1: spy novels, though. I never did. It's okay. just not a genre for me.
0: I've honestly never heard of these books before, frankly. Okay. Okay. And I am a I'm a book hoarder, so the fact that I've never heard of these I'm surprised by, frankly. But I mean eleven books. I feel like I should heur- have heard something at the very least, or at seen it on at least. It says New York Times bestsellers, but I mean, you know, God, what was the number I heard that that's all like that it takes to get on that list? Because there's so many lists these days, so yeah, I'm not I don't sure. Know. I don't remember. I heard maybe five thousand total books. For it to do it, but that counts pre-sales and all of that. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no idea why I haven't heard of these books before.
2: It would be hilarious if this was just an ultimate troll job by Netflix. And it's like they're spending $400 million <laughs> for the property, $200 million on the budget of the movie. And they just put out, like, Chris Evans in a mustache and Ryan Gosling playing, like, Patty Cake or something. Or rock, paper, scissors while Anna de Armas is the judge. I would still watch
1: that.
0: Oh yeah, no. I think that would be. I think people would obsess with that because that's like camp. That's hilarious. This right. is an
1: example of uh, MMO going to the dark side with one of these <laughs> uh, episodes. But all right, maybe we'll we'll go in another direction. Mike, who's your number two film? And let's. Fountain
2: Abbey, a new era. Because fuck both of what? you and your love of your gowns and your period sets.
0: <laughs> I've never watched. Downton Abbey. So you know what? I am very ambivalent. To this you
2: movie, went to the Bridgerton thing. I saw that video. You I dressed did. up in a gown. I did.
0: I did. I looked you know what? And I looked adorable. So you know what? You kick great. kick rocks, okay? I danced with the male lead, okay? He sought me out in the crowd and he was like, You let's dance. I was like, yes. Oh my goodness. Did they give you an actual I, okay? dance card? No.
1: Then that's not period. It was very accurate. <laughs> Excuse me.
0: It was not meant to be period accurate. It was it was a show that was interactive, and I had made sure, and I realized, okay, I should put my phone away so I can dance more, because they're clearly coming up and talking to me when my phone's away, because it looks like I'm paying attention. And so this guy had seen me dance with the group dance that he had done earlier, so he knew I wasn't going to say no, basically. So it was like, yes, would you like to dance? So yes.
2: No, that was... That I had was...
0: fun. You know what? i like... Kick rocks. I'm I'd joking. <laughs> I am I'm
2: joking about Downton Abbey but I am joking about uh, needling you about Bridgerton too. That was a good video as well. But it, it look, you, Thank look, you. you look you looked very good and that was a very cute video. I enjoyed watching Thank it. You. I implore everyone to seek it out. And no, Mike, I'm not picking Downton Abbey because I don't want to like upset you and
1: your mother. That would make you feel bad. So. Secretly <laughs> loved the first movie so much. I- we had a great time. <laughs> and I will hear nothing of it. I
0: do believe that Mike would have like a Downton Abbey shrine in his closet, in the corner somewhere. Or something. I like bought he the six thousand
2: dollar wardrobe dollhouse thing that I was busting your balls about because it looks. I like I said the I wasn't going to
0: buy it. I was going to make my own thing because I think it's hel- it's very kitschy. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And it's basically a cabinet that looks like an old dollhouse. And I was like, ooh, I'm not paying six thousand dollars for this. I'm going to make my own. Because it
2: looked like the DIY magic. things.
0: Because I'm 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 LGBT, which means I can just do things. I have the gay audacity to do whatever I want. And so I, I suddenly I just suddenly have the ability to do carpentry because I can figure it out.
2: I suddenly have the ability to do carpentry. I like that as a slogan for life. Um, I'm not picking Downton Abbey. That was a joke. Uh th- okay. my, th- this one, it's this entry of mine is gonna be short and sweet because it's just based on 10 to 20 years of evidence. Ron Howard, I think, has lost his fastball as a director. So, what I mean, are you picking first of all? Are you building up uh, to it? Yeah, Thirteen Lives is the Ron Howard movie. It's also, I think, a Christmas release or a Christmas era release. It's about the the Thai soccer team that was stuck in the cave with their coach and the the But rescue Did you watch the out. rescue? No, I didn't watch the rescue. I know. I look. How it's the same argument about. Dare you? It's the same argument. It's the same argument. It's a great. I completely understand how this can be a cinematic thing. I think it lends it to, the story lends itself well to being yeah. made into a movie. I just don't trust Ron Howard to do it. Is my argument. I mean, look at he was he won his director Oscar in two thousand one, right? A Beautiful Mind. He was nominated for, with Frost/Nixon in two thousand nine. Since Frost/Nixon, here's Ron Howard's CV: The Angels and Demons trilogy, which the last one grossed thirty four million domestically on a seventy five million dollar budget. The Dilemma, which was the Vince Vaughn, Kevin, uh, what's his name, King of Queens there movie, yeah. which did $69 million worldwide on a $70 million budget. In the Heart of the Sea, which I had never heard of, but did a hundred. Yeah, what is that? It, it's about a, an 1820
1: ship it's, that was sunk by a giant whale. Moby Dick with Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that Hemsworth. sounds badass. It's Moby Dick with Chris Hemsworth.
0: Wait, are you serious? I'm going to watch
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it only did $25 million domestically. It had a $100 million budget. It was a flop. Mm. And then there was. When did it come
0: out? 2015.
2: 2015, I think, is the the year. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm gonna watch this. This looks dumb. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, that's the point. Like it's... adventure drama is how it's categorized. It's two hours long. Oh that, my god. That
2: sounds like a slow death for me. That sounds like a slow death. And then he did Solo, which oh was. Oh my respons- god!
0: They put Chris Hem- Chris Hemsworth, in a billowy shirt. I'm watching this.
2: This is where the bar is for Ron Howard's Ron Howard, who is one of the most beloved, like, properties in Hollywood and entertainment history. The bar is now Chris Hemsworth is in a pirate shirt. So I want to watch that movie that flopped. Mm. Yes. He did, solo, he did Solo, a Star Wars story, which was responsible for ending Disney's once a year Star Wars movie yeah. plans. And then he did Hillbilly Elegy, which was Hillbilly Elegy. It's mm-hmm. like... <laughs> It's not good, man. I, I think 13 Lives, like I said, I think it lends itself to the cinema. But I, I just... If it's going to be like Ron Howard's recent properties, it's going to be something that has a tepid audience and critical reception and ends up losing a studio, which in this case is going to be United
1: Artists, a bunch of money. You made...
0: I
2: don't
1: You know. made a good argument there. Hmm. Based on Ron Howard.
0: I mean... Yeah, based on him, I, I, I agree that there's... Okay. Yeah... He's... Mm, but see, I, I don't know. I just remember when they were trapped in the cave and all of that, you know, that, that this wasn't just like, oh, my God, we need to get them out. Like, people really were obsessed it with the story. a
1: great documentary last year, guys. The greatest documentary maybe of the last yeah. three years in terms of suspense. Uh, and the way, and how these character I mean these real life characters played off each other I don't know how they got some of the footage I know the fact that they recreated some of the footage the guys who did free solo uh, but this was an awesome documentary it's on Disney plus right now I don't know if you want to spoil the movie that you're about to hate <laughs> <laughs>
2: But he also has a history of adapting these store, like the the Da Vinci Code. He adapted, and the first one was good, but the trilogy died out over time. Hillbilly Elegy was a book that everybody was in a fever pitch over, and we got that movie that we got out of it. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like he hasn't adapted things that haven't gone well on screen before. But I, okay, I, I okay,
0: but you're talking a, you're talking about novel adaptations or memoir adaptations. That's true. This is a live. This is a cultural live event that was. That is true could have easily become a horrible tragedy and, you know, Mm. had people panicking and stressing. Like people, I don't, like when they were stuck in the cave, I don't know a day where people woke up where they weren't expecting to hear that one of these kids died, you know? Like that's how stressful this whole time was. So I do think that though this could be dramatized and be incredible, it could also be done, it could be in very poor taste or it could be, you know... Dramatized, dramatized way further to the point that it's in poor taste.
1: Possible, but maybe the story's just great though, and he mm-hmm. can't screw it up. So I don't. I mean, it's a true story. Like, well, whether saying, or not it's... he can screw it up, I don't know. That that I mean, Richard Jewell's a tough story to screw up, and we loved it, but it did terribly at the box office. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you look. It, he's in a slump. There's no question about it. But this film harkens back to like the mid '90s disaster movie uh, Apex that we both you know lived through in our childhoods Mike and is, this feels like it's right up his alley I would say so I don't know maybe maybe you're right maybe it does flop but uh 13 lives for me I I'm I knowing you got to watch the the darn documentary that my mother you swore to my mother <laughs> you lied to her face Oh, no, I did not lie you would I did watch. Not fly. you lied to her face, I said just I like you lied it. to me about your love for it. Downton Abbey and your 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 just genuine uh, adoration for Carson. And all I care Mrs. about, Patmore. I don't know. I don't know what I'm dealing with anymore. Swell. I don't know what I'm dealing wow. with. I, all I know is I got a dirty shyster who who doesn't uh, tell me the truth when he tells me he loves things. All I want wow. is for both
2: of you to work up your dander enough. You to when you it comes to you manipulate
0: mothers, Mike. My God. <laughs>
2: I can't wait till your last pick swell go ahead Mike your second pick
1: (laughs) all right so I'm picking the whale a24 and from the last series we did the year in previous well from the start of this series you guys know I'm worried about this one uh but I'm gonna actually play devil's advocate to myself a bit because there's a lot of stuff that I should I should come down higher on but look at A 600-pound middle-aged man named Charlie tries to reconnect with his 17-year-old daughter. The two grew apart after Charlie abandons his family for his gay lover, who later died. Charlie then went on to binge eat out of pain and guilt. All right, this is Darren Aronofsky. This is 824. Both those uh, are just MMO favorites, Mm -hmm. right? This -hmm. is a sensitive subject in the country with my family. I'm worried. I'm worried about his ability to execute that with a deft touch, with a sensitive touch, because Aaron Aronofsky or Darren Aronofsky is anything but, especially after the mother and his handling of the Bible in his last two films, (laughs) Rock Monsters and Noah's Ark, and, of course, uh, everything we saw in the Jennifer Lawrence film. Now, this is a devastating play that uh, is written by the writer of Baskets, FX's Baskets, and he's also a, you know... He's a very successful playwright, Broadway, West End, Off-Broadway, Samuel D. Hunter, uh, and he is doing the script. So all of that is in in their favor. You also have Brendan Fraser, who I started Mm -hmm. to say there, um, an audacious comeback role for him after the Me Too movement, after he's come out as a hero in that movement, uh, Sadie Sink. Uh, of Stranger Things, Fear Street, a great young actress, Samantha. She, Morton. Oh, I'm
0: sorry, really quick for Sadie Singh. she was also in the 10 minute All Too Well music video short film. Thank you very much. Moving forward,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Samantha Morton, uh, Oscar nominee times two in the 90s with uh, in America and Sweet Low Down. Uh, she's going to be in She Said, and she's been in the The Walking Dead for a while. Uh, oh, excuse me, that's Hong Chau. Hong Chow, great actress. Uh, Watchmen, driveways, mm. big little eyes. So great cast. Mm-hmm. Handled this production in a month. So it was a tight Ooh. production, oh, wow. tight production. So because it's based on a stage play that uh, it didn't play Broadway, but it it played you know it played well off Broadway. Now, so I'm oh. I'm I'm kind of juggling things in the air. I think the the subject matter worries me more than the the you know the cv and the resumes of the people involved so this is probably my weakest pick but i'm still worried about it i gotta be honest with you guys and honest with our listeners and i was very worried in the preview series before this so i'm worried about the whale
2: i want you to stare into the eyes of brandon fraser and tell him you don't (laughs) believe he can pull this off those beautiful beautiful eyes of his
0: Side note: If anyone wants to see or watch any more Brendan Fraser stuff, I highly recommend Doom Patrol. It's very fun. He is in it. Um, he, okay. <laughs> I think I think he's very good in the show. So um, well, I promise
2: you, I will watch that.
0: Okay. I, Just to I, call he back. be
2: careful with his promises. <laughs> <if> <laughs> Just to call ones. back, to being accusing me of a liar.
0: <laughs> it's on HBO Max, but I do recommend uh, Doom Patrol. I think he uh, brings a lot of heart to the character, and I like it a lot. Um, My concern: See stage adaptations. I don't. I don't know. I think
3: they—they
0: are volatile because I do think medium matters, and things that work on a stage don't always work, you Mm know, in on screen and I don't think I'm wrong in saying that.
2: (laughs) No, I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's we've seen them go very well and we've seen them not translate at all. I I mean, uh, Ma Rainey's is one that I think we were very, very high on, Mike, and a lot of people were. But, you know, for every one of those, there's absolutely probably two or three that just don't translate well to the screen. I would agree with
1: that as well. Mm -hmm. It's caught in one room for a lot of it, I think, because he's stuck there. I don't know if it's in his imagination, Ooh. which Aronofsky could probably play fairly well. Uh, it is a high degree of difficulty. So if he nails it, it might be a great film, and I might eat all the crow in the world well, on th- this. Um, kind of think... like what you're both going to do for the rest of your picks.
2: <laughs> Swell made the point uh, uh, talking about Thirteen Lives that how it could be handled poorly. There, you know, there's, there's, you're walking a tightrope, and I think this one is kind of the same thing. It's a very Real possibility that this could be handled very poorly. You made the point in setting this up, Mike. And I think a lot of it's going to have to do with, you know, I, I would assume Brendan Fraser is going to be wearing prosthetics and prosthesis to, to get that look. I think it's going to have to do with how he shot, how that character shot, how, how the mm-hmm. character looks on screen. You don't want it to be tasteless because it's telling this very true, you know, this this heartbreaking story, but he is this massive individual at the center of it. Uh, yeah, it's going to walk a tightrope. I think it does have a it's, high degree of difficulty, but we've seen Aronofsky pull off high degree of difficulty.
1: Yeah. He's a straight male, you know, doing a, uh, if, if he did Requiem for a Dream about a guy who loses his gay lover, and if he does Requiem for a Dream about obesity, uh, this is a problem. If he does Mother, you know, a mother version, like maybe maybe this is subdued. It's a, Again, it's a month long shoot so maybe it is just kind of filming the theatrical play and he and he's disciplined and he doesn't go full zany crazy aronofsky on this maybe not i don't
2: know i have high hopes for it because i want brendan the brendan the frazier essence to keep coming
1: i'm rooting for it too yeah. I, I love brendan frazier going back childhood he's he's been funny and He's another also mom favorite, Michael. So how did this uh, become like? <laughs> I'm not a liar. <laughs> you promised my mother you would watch her favorite movie of the last five I'm years. Going to? The rescue. I will watch it.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! And no,
1: and then sight unseen, you'd pick the drama, the adaptation of that <laughs> in this episode. How dare you? I hope the two of you.
2: <laughs> you and don't worry, we're probably
0: about to rip each other's throats out right now Yeah, worry. I was just going to say I hope this turns
2: into a death battle That I don't even have to speak for the rest of this episode But, Swell, go ahead What's your number one pick? Oh no Okay,
0: before I say this I want to make it very clear I don't want this movie to be bad I love mm. cult movies I read the script that was posted on Reddit That It's definitely been changed heavily But the original Don't Worry Darling script I liked it quite a lot. I think it's dark. I think it's going to be fucked up and sexy. I think it's going to be potentially very good. However, (laughs) okay, I, just because I, the CinemaCon, I think stuff as well made things, um, I don't know, not, not me think worse, but I was very much watching all of the leaked set photos and all of that. I have friends who are, uh, hyper obsessed with Harry Styles. And so basically... Uh, accounts that were never, you know, like, oh, leaked paparazzi set photos or anything like that became that just from the nature of Harry Styles being involved in this project. Um, I believe this was also the project where uh, Harry Styles fans were reaching out to the director, in this case, Olivia Wilde, when it was first announced, uh, basically implying that uh, he was being forced into doing these sexy scenes and he was being exploited uh, because of the sexual nature of don't worry, darling. I Hmm. highly... I don't think that, I think he's a grown man and I think he can, you know, uh, work with his people and he wouldn't do something. Flamboyance he... and
2: sexuality hasn't been a problem for Harry Styles, I would say.
0: No, I agree. But I also think that f- his fans can be insane. And so mm-hmm. I, I spoke about this at the time, um, on my social media. Cause I was like, this is how people like get blacklisted from fan behavior. Like it's, you, you make it more difficult for them to be worked with than to, mm-hmm. you know, just not have them in the project. Um, mm-hmm. So at CinemaCon, though, Olivia Wilde uh, says it's her love letter to the movies that push boundaries of our imagination. I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, (laughs) Some of the comments made about uh, the Don't Worry Darling trailer that was shown at CinemaCon. um, Trailer looks like a psychedelic saturated Stepford wives. A menacing Chris Pine leads something called the Victory Project, and Florence is trying to figure out WTF is up with her perfect life and secretive husband. Someone said it'll be a sleeper this year. Um, Apparently, it was compared to uh, Black Swan, Inception, The Stepford Wives, and The Matrix. I don't know what the hell that is. Jesus. Someone else, Olivia Wilde, also said, it's a cosmic mix of the action of the 90s combined with the exploitation films of the 70s. It's hyperviolence, but it knows what it is. I don't know what the hell that means.
1: (laughs) It's little women. Little women meets death race. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Hi, hi, this is an insane (laughs) cult movie. Why can't we just say that? Why why can't we just be that? Um, But so, yes. So uh, from the... uh, gossip side of things, which is where my questions for this film potentially come in um, is, for those of you who don't know, Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are dating and their uh, getting together coincides pretty heavily with the filming of Don't Worry Darling. And there is some questions to be raised about when Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis separated and when her and Harry Styles started dating more publicly or actually got together. So there is questions about that. There were questions uh, from fans that were upset because she did this whole, once they wrapped filming, she did this whole series of posts on her Instagram shouting out a bunch of people who worked on the project with her, including Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. She commended Harry Styles for allowing for being so gung ho about being in a movie that's led by a woman in Florence Pugh's character. Like he was somehow championing championing the women's movement or something by just doing his job and playing a male role. Like it was very odd. The post was odd. Um, uh, there were, so this is totally unfounded, this next thing I'm going to say, but this is from Dumois,
1: <laughs> which like is it. a
0: gossip, <laughs> gossip Instagram account. Naturally, when all of this was coming out, this was also um, a production that was done in late 2020. So this was during, you know, the height of the COVID-19 on set uh, regulations and all of that. So there was a lot of things coming out about that. Their production was halted because someone on set tested positive. Um, they took two week break at one point. But because of, again, because Harry Styles is involved, we have to take every rumor that came out of the filming with a grain of salt because fans are insane because they just are. And so there were allegations or claims made, and, but I, I mean, some of it, obviously they did start dating. And so there were claims that uh, Olivia Wilde was too focused on flirting with the male lead, in this case, Harry Styles, to you know, actually be bothered to direct the movie. Some people said that Florence Pugh ended up calling the shots at some points. I highly doubt that. Um, there were other claims that you know maybe her AD was in charge of making some calls and actually doing directions. But again, considering Olivia Wilde is also in the project, that does not surprise me if the assistant director was also in charge of making calls and directing, because mm-hmm. that's the nature of that type of project. So all in all, I'm hoping it's not bad, but also, I don't know. I think that this could be... I think it'll make numbers because I think Harry Styles fans will go and see it. I think it'll make numbers because Florence Pugh fans will go and see it. I think bisexuals like myself will die based on the overall cast of this movie. (laughs) Um, But... I mean, I don't know, the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, can either of you explain it's a cosmic mix of the action of the 90s combined with the exploitation films of the 70s? It's hyper-violence, but it knows what it is. It's a cult movie. Why can't you just say that? Hi, there's a weird sex cult in this movie. They, they, uh, Harry Styles goes down on her on the kitchen table. Why can't we just say that? Why, <laughs> why can't we just do that?
2: <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I just want to say one thing, and then I'm going to lay out and let the two of you have a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> I really don't skeptical, think it's be that you think it is. As, no, no. Uh, well, that's disappointing to hear, but I can hope for the other one. I'm going to prod <laughs> both of you. As skeptical <laughs> as you are for this movie, I know my co-host has been as blindly excited for it. So I am curious to hear, hearing, because we don't get into the gossip side of the industry. So mm-hmm. hearing all those things, Mike, and what may have gone on, are you is your resolve for this movie being as great as you think it's going to be shaken at all?
1: Absolutely. It is shaken because the last time, I mean, because I, I get shook on precedent and I get rattled <laughs> uh, by history. And the last time Swell kind of mentioned a similar backstory of what you would have hoped were superfluous issues to a film set that came in and infected the entire movie was Rebecca we reviewed Mm. Rebecca and Army Hammer and Lily James had this scuzzy thing going on and I you know and it did kind of poison the well so I'm poisoned well with swell is that this one anyway
0: (laughs) we can no but I mean also so to okay so for those of you that didn't listen to the Rebecca episode I don't blame me that movie was horrible um my the one of the my main criticisms was that Army Hammer and Lily James had terrible chemistry on screen, but there were allegations that uh, Lily James and Army Hammer were uh, canoodling on set, and the this was evidenced by Army Hammer's wife at the time, uh, citing that she went through his phone and found text from someone named Adeline, and we later found out that that was the call name for uh, Lily James on set was Adeline while they were shooting Rebecca. And so the uh, claims were that this was more proof that they were canoodling on set. And so them actually having some type of affair or something on set in a movie where they had zero chemistry was a red flag to me. However, I mean, maybe Harry Styles and Florence Pugh will have incredible, you know, incredible chemistry because they're not the ones that were hooking up after all this. It was, you know... Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. So maybe this will not have any effect on their dynamic in general. Because I do think that the the crux of this movie will have to be, you know, I, I think Florence Pugh is an incredible actress. I really do. I absolutely love her. So I think maybe she could carry this regardless of, you know, Harry's lack of experience in the genre for, the, for film and all of that. Because this was the first project he did after um, Dunkirk. This is the first movie he's done since. So I don't know, you know, it, God, could he even hold up as a, I guess, a potential male lead in this?
1: Well, I don't know about his acting. I think he's he struggled a little bit in Dunkirk, to be honest with you. I think he's, uh, I, I don't know him well enough. Uh, I think I think you're absolutely right that if you're going to do a movie about a sex cult, this is the cast that is probably... Too sexy, if anything, <laughs> and that could work. That should work. This movie is primed for like dating season. It's like a month into the first semester, so they, this is typical. They the pushed it born. off
0: again further, right? Because it was going to be earlier this year that it was supposed to come out. Correct?
1: Oh, they pushed it back even to more Oscary levels. I, I forgot. I didn't get that news. Did they push it back? I, I remember this them was pushing months, it back. This was
0: months I, ago. They pushed it back.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the, the, from my just off the top of my head, I thought it was
2: all. COVID related uh, delays.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: oh. Okay. we better look at this. Maybe. So, so, no, September 23rd, still on IMDb.
2: So okay. So that's when
1: I thought it was coming out. But that, yeah, I mean, that's like the, the end of the first month of first semester, right? So we have this movie, you know, just there's, there's enough time to chit chat and then date, I guess, or go to or hang out hook up. <laughs> Whatever the kids are doing now, I don't even want to know. <laughs> But they go to those who still go to the movies are going to go to this movie at the end of September, right? So it should do well. On the one hand, you said you read the script online.
0: The oh, the original a- script, yeah, the original screenplay. That's been the names were changed. It's it's definitely going to be heavily changed, but it literally opens up with like a sex scene. Uh, between uh, the main right. the the husband and wife, which is played by Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, and it, I I do think that the script has been heavily changed, but there is a version of the original script online available.
1: So, a couple things in its favor, like you, you said you enjoyed mm-hmm. the script, so that's cool. Uh, yeah. And and it, and it's a cult movie, it's a sex movie, and it knows what it is. Even though apparently it's the technically a period piece, so it not. should
0: be interesting. It's technically a period piece, so that I think it should yeah. be good. Um, apparently uh the uh one of the in the trailer one of the lines from harry styles is always you and me all of you wives we men we ask a lot we ask strength food at home a house clean and discretion among all else he i I think he could either destroy this movie and like really kill it with his acting or this could be painful to watch and i don't think there's going to be an in-between
1: boomer bust. Well, there was a bidding war for the script when it came out, which is why I thought, you know, Olivia Wilde coming off of Booksmart, Florence Pugh kind of at the top of her game at a at a young mm-hmm. age, which is crazy. So like she could go LeBron James mode here and just be awesome for the next, you know, 15 years cuz she's been that good. So it's just like I was betting on those things, but once I heard kind of the whole genre mishmash and how how hardcore it all seemed to be, I worried about my best picture pick of two years ago. So I'll be honest. I'm not picking Don't Worry Darling for best picture this year mm-hmm. on our to tease our next episode or so, Mike. Mm-hmm. So yes, to answer your question, I am rattled. Well you are doing the job here. Nice. Uh, this is gonna be a movie with stakes for me. But, you know, I'm I don't know. I, I think WB's, you know, been hit a bit hit and miss with me of the last few years as well, adding to this, but I'm hoping for this one still. I think we all are. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, Harry Styles got to carry a movie. Can he do it? I don't know.
0: I think this will definitely be an indicator of whether or not my policeman is going to be good, depending on how he is in this, obviously, because that's the next movie, I think, slated from him. Amazon, Um, yeah. Yeah, so also totally and un- mostly unrelated. While she was on stage, um, she was handed a manila envelope. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. at CinemaCon, she was handed a manila envelope. She was like, oh, is this a script? Is this for me? Uh, looks at one page, says, okay, thank you. Puts it away. Does not address the manila envelope the rest of the time she's on stage. Turns out she was served with custody papers from Jason and Sudeikis while she was on stage.
2: Which, which Sudeikis' team quickly responded. They had, he had no idea that was going to happen, which I don't buy.
0: Well, okay. So, as someone who has gone through custody court <laughs> as a child, um, I have seen how subpoenas and and being served and all of that works. Um, and if you use a a company to serve the papers for you, they will get those papers served regardless of the circumstance. So, if she how was publicly get into going CinemaCon to be about
2: Jason Sudeikis's help,
0: I mean, well, it, I guess uh. yeah, that's the question. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I they mean, could, hey. I mean
2: they could, well, I mean, you, could you can pay. Cinemacon. You can pay. They'd have to something. buy a ticket.
0: Well, isn't it only for an event?
2: Clayton Davis couldn't get into CinemaCon, Mike.
0: cinema It's for people who actively have involved in the movie industry or you own a theater. That's how you get in.
1: Hmm.
0: Which is why I will be buying a movie theater in the next coming year. (laughs) So
2: I can go to CinemaCon. (laughs) Or
1: you could just give it to somebody who is in there.
2: Uh, It sounds like it's a lot easier to get into that place and on stage there if you know Ted Lasso or half his Uh, blessing, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Just saying. I mean, I, I having mean, seen I think if, you know, I having think seen how nefarious this serving process, the process serving industry goes.
1: Personally, yeah. I you know maybe maybe uh, it's it's a bad look. Yes, but it, you know, the, I think I agree with Swell. Like this movie's probably not gonna be a hot mess to the point where we love it that or maybe it is maybe maybe it is a hot mess that we and we love it no matter the point of
2: it might rely wholly on Harry Styles acting abilities it's not something I had thought of which is weird to say for a movie in which he's like he seems to be one of if not the male lead Uh, but I think it's a great one I mean this could be boom or bust and it could just totally rely on how he does and that could that's a scary proposition for something that's which the studio bit a lot of money for on the outset and that has Oscars hopes.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. the the stills are cool the cast is good the story is good though i mean when it comes back to it you know you I, i think those elements are why i'm still bullish on don't worry darling but yeah he definitely uh he definitely worried me there swell (laughs) i'm this. sorry
0: i'm sorry to other to mike one that we did not have the screaming match you were hoping for uh for that. no that
2: was disappointing but i'm going to turn the two of you against each other eventually that's the only reason we keep inviting you on. well it's uh <laughs> one of these days you and herm are going to go at it and i'm just going to sit back and laugh like Shere Khan.
1: but and it's Mortal so Kombat. much more
0: fun to dogpile onto you mike
1: I know, and it I'm is. tired of it. I know it keeps <laughs> happening, and it's the best. It's just the best thing about our
2: show. Um, I like that all three of us like went increasingly bigger as we went on too. Like my yeah. my final film. Uh, so, all right, first things first. I want to address a couple films I didn't pick. I want. I was thinking about doing Black Panther two. Uh, it has a lot of hubbub mm. around it and. and you know, Letitia Wright had some bad headlines, issues with the production, the weight of expectations of that movie being not only the follow-up to the historic first entry, but also needing to find a universally appeasing way to move on from King T'Challa and pass the torch there. But ultimately, right. I'm putting faith in Marvel, and Ryan Coogler has not made a bad movie, which he has directed yet, so there's that. Yeah, God. I do because- think
0: I, I'm i really... I. I'm gonna be honest I thought about it too and then I thought about it for five seconds and I was like no that's a bad idea because I do I I really did love the first Black Panther movie and despite everything surrounding Black Panther 2 I do I, I don't know I think they could pull it off especially with I agree yeah
2: I mean, they, and they have a great cast. They're, you know, there's the Niagara, there's mm-hmm. Latisha, right? There's all, there are stars there that I hold, I have faith in and Ryan Coogler
1: leading the charge. They really can't go that wrong. I mean, if I they agree. give it yeah. to Lupita, great. If they give it to Letitia, I mean, yeah, I don't want to hear her uh, anti-vaxxer views necessarily. But mm-hmm. yeah, she could handle it. She's a great actress. So yeah. yes, uh, I agree. we're all on the same page there yeah um no. i also
2: was thinking about blonde which i've told both of you that marilyn monroe nc 17 netflix biopic with anda de armas but i know both of you see issues with that as well but i i kind of i felt like that would be piling on quite frankly
0: i just think even with COVID, they've pushed this movie like i remember when they were filming this like it's with it's been a long time that this movie has been slated to come out i mm-hmm. feel like and i just think and that alone land, when is it's finally concerning. due to land it on
2: NC seventeen is weird, and I don't know how Netflix is going to react to that. I don't know why it's NC seventeen. I think that takes away all of its Oscars hopes, anyway. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think
1: it helps Netflix because all the perverts are going to click play. and There's a lot of perverts. Out there. Well,
2: there's also a lot of anti perverts, though, in the middle. There's, you know, I mean, there's also three on this phone call. Right. But. There's that. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to watch it. <laughs> but uh, I, I felt like that would be piling on because I said a lot of bad things about it in our episode three of the year in preview. So I'm looking for something similar. Uh, in a similar vein to those, without Black Panther's fail-safes, like a big-budget movie from a big studio which had to deal with some negative headlines from one of its leading stars, maybe something that's a sequel, maybe something that's a bit ensemble So here's the question I landed on. Does anyone actually give a shit anymore about
1: Jurassic Park movies?
0: I haven't watched so any done. of the new ones. I haven't watched any I haven't of the new either. Ones.
1: Netflix is going to come after us. Whoever Jason Sudeikis oh, hired. Oh, my acting career is
0: destroyed. Although Jason we're Sudeikis. We're done. And Jason, now Universal. Jason, Jason, if you're listening, hi. Um. Well, the, the Minions. I love Ted Lasso.
1: Universal probably feels bulletproof about Minions. Sorry, uh, they're swell. But I think they're a little rattled about charge. Jurassic Park. I will and lead now.
0: the charge against the Minions. I will get the dinosaurs out. And I will lead the charge against the Dominions.
2: I thought, don't worry, Darling, was going to be the reason the two of you fight, but it's actually going to be those little yellow things. That'd be hilarious.
0: (laughs) Um,
2: Look, I know how foolish that question is because the last two Jurassic movies, despite Swell and I not being in the theaters for them, made over a billion dollars worldwide each. And I don't think... Did they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well over a billion. Okay.
0: Okay. Because there's... Okay. Hold on. Let me explain. Let me figure out how to put these into words. Because I do think that there are movies that are like family movies. But then I also know there are movies that are too much for children. And I feel like that's where... The, the, I think that argument really started to come around, around the Infinity War Endgame situation. Mm-hmm. Where people mm-hmm. were like, okay, how far is too far for a quote-unquote kids family movie? And... Um, I mean, I don't I don't again I haven't seen these movies, but some of the clips that I've seen come out of these movies, I'm like, kids are watching this?
2: Well it's like, PG thirteen. Is... It's not like I mean, I think Endgame was PG, but
1: the Jurassic movies are PG Endgame yeah, was not
0: PG. Not, yeah. I think P G
1: thirteen. But but when forty year olds go see it, you know, go to see it three times, that kind of makes up for the few kids that don't.
0: Dude, this do this many people want to sleep with Chris Pratt? Because well, I that's... can't okay. believe that.
1: D- is, uh, look. So the headlines that guy has dealt with
2: all year long in twenty twenty two is there like this huge rush to the theater to go see a Chris Pratt
0: property still? well the okay, so the running the running rumor with Chris Pratt that I have seen recently is that he wants to have a parallel into politics and he wants to oh, go Jesus into Republican Christ. politics. And so that's why we see every time he has a scandal... He's married to the right
2: family for it, I guess.
0: To the fact that every time he has a scandal of anything whatsoever, he starts talking about God and all of that and how he's really... Like, he's trying to court, you know, the hyper-religious as a way of potentially becoming his voting demographic if he decides to go into politics. And so, I mean, I do think a lot of the stuff he does is calculated. And then, you know, even if he does misstep, he can say, like... You know, I've just been thinking about, I've been praying a lot, I've been thinking a lot about my purpose with God, and it doesn't matter anymore for him. Um, Side note, I do think Thor Love and Thunder, where they decided to have him be uh, in like a bi-coded relationship, potentially with Thor, or at least flirt with Thor to some degree, is very funny of Taika Waititi. I think it's hilarious. I think he was like, oh, this will be hilarious. Let's do this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I liked I mean, everything you just said there, having not known that made me just angry. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate everything about
0: that. Again, this is just a rumor going around. Nothing has been uh, concrete. But if you look at the way he responds to a lot of the backlash of things that have gone on, it's pretty clear what's happening. Well, isn't
2: um, his wife a Shriver? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he, that's that's a political family. You know, the Schwarzenegger Shriver family are, you know, yeah. uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm not going to see this movie now just out of protest to Chris Pratt. But I feel like I, that's <laughs> been growing for a while. But OK, look. Yeah, the first Jurassic reboot did 1.6 billion, I think. The the follow up was 1.3 billion. I'm talking about domestic numbers, and I want to compare them to the first Jurassic trilogy. So, Fallen Kingdom did about 235 million worse domestically than Jurassic World, and that's about 64% of Jurassic World's box office, which is actually a very similar number to what Jurassic Park 2 did to Jurassic Park 1's box office in total. Jurassic Park 3 did about 50% of Jurassic Park 1's numbers. If you follow that trend, that's going to be $331 million for this next this final Jurassic movie. If this mm-hmm. does 331 million domestically, are we going to say that's out of the realm of possibility to fathom? Like you can see this movie doing 300 million domestically, right? And if that happens, is that a success for a movie that's got the highest budget of any Jurassic movie at 165 million? I don't know that I'd classify it as a success. I mean, I know, it's again, it's going to rely on international and overseas and all that.
0: But also, if that's the box office, because it wasn't, isn't, aren't we for the marketing? Because I always think about the potential marketing budget of these movies, you know? And so mm-hmm. isn't, isn't the standard number that you're supposed to potentially either have or double the budget of the movie and add that, apply that to marketing?
2: Yeah, if you, the old the old standby is two and a half times what the budget is of the movie is supposed to be the break even point. So whatever the film re- uh-huh. rolls in for revenue, if it's two and a half times the budget, that's supposed to be the break even. That's probably a yeah. bit it's you know, a little antiquated. antiquated probably. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, I don't know, but also okay. So none of the other movies came out during the pandemic, correct? Correct. Okay. I don't know because I think that we've been seeing some crazy numbers from the pandemic and I think we are getting out of that. You know, people aren't going to the movies because of COVID. You know, I think we're out of that now for the most part. I do still think the film industry is still in flux as far as theaters go, um, which is why, you know, like, it's like what I said earlier about, you know, movies being in theaters and things like that. I think there are still people who don't want to go to the movies, even less so now than they did prior to the pandemic. So, th- a movie like this is, you know, an event movie, quote unquote, where people will, you know, go with their whole family to go and see this, which I'm assuming that's why the box office is the way that it is. So, potentially, it could make $331 million. But, like you said, is that enough for the budget that it has?
2: I think it's a legitimate question mm-hmm.
1: I, I think it's gonna make enough money overseas i agree I, with that i think the days where tent poles are supposed to basically finance another 100 films i don't i don't know how much that applies today with the scream streaming bubble and what peacock's doing and what this conglomerate is making and I don't know if it's, I, like, if this This movie's going to break even, but does it have to finance another 10 films, another 10 tentpoles? I 10 see. Pulls? I don't know. I don't, I don't know think
0: so. if the, I don't think a tentpole, I don't, I, I think we could argue also that, like, for a lot of these studios, tentpoles don't exist anymore because every movie is designed to be a tentpole now. And so, like, necessarily, like, they, they, I don't know, maybe it'll finance the next tentpole, but it's not going to finance several movies.
2: Like the idea of a standalone picture is is a, a passe one, is what
1: you're saying. Everything's supposed to like, kick off a franchise. But this this is like money in the bank, basically. This is gonna mm. make money. So yeah, I'm no, to. I'm not
0: saying it's not gonna make money. It's a matter of you know, is it gonna be enough? You know.
1: Yeah, and, and my this question could be is more dinosaurs shitting. This could be dinosaurs shitting for two hours, and it's gonna make a billion. I, I, I <laughs> especially because okay,
0: we also have to remember this is also a legacy project as well because they brought back old cast members. So.
2: I do you care that about alone, that? Get, do you do you I actually care that Samuel and Laura I, are in this?
0: No, I personally don't. But I think that other people do, and that's the that's what the media is seeing. That's what we saw with the bastardized version that it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they decided, okay, we'll make this a legacy project and copy, you know, Halloween Kills or whatever, and you know, we'll try and do, we'll bring back old characters, and that's what they're trying to do here. They're seeing that is making money for other projects, and so that's it's just the new trend in these movies. That's all it is.
2: Mike, do you care that Laura Dern and Sam Neill are in this?
1: I kind of do. And I'll I be mean, I with, love
0: yeah. Laura Dern, so I want to make that Who clear. But Who I mean, doesn't?
1: Da- yeah, we all yeah. do. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the original film, and I read the yeah. books, and I was into it. And I've been watching these mo- I hate watched Fallen Kingdom. I did not like it. I did not like the second half of uh, the first Jurassic World. So I've, I'm, I'm like... I've liked one half of the first two movies. <laughs> and, and we already I... saw
2: the trilogy lose its yeah. fan base over time. The first Jurassic trilogy. And yeah, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park 3. But I mean, also, in much like what happened with that first trilogy, the review scores have gone down. Like the first reboot from 2015 to 2019 went down. The, the yeah. scores from Jurassic World, Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3 went down on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb both. Like this is a, a negatively trending property and the fact, I agree, Swell, that they think they're bringing back these nostalgia pieces and that's going to be. But I also think there's a difference between doing that in a movie in which I'd be like if Avatar did it like 10 years from now, like the the allure of Avatar is the special effects. The allure of Jurassic Park is the dinosaurs, not necessarily Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill talking to each other.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that might helps. be a miscalculation. I think. Well, sure. But does it help as much as like bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis to Halloween? No. I don't think so.
1: I I don't disagree there, but I do think it helps. And I think they're marketing it, you know, basically reprising the same scenes from the original Jurassic Park, just with, you know, uh, the fact that Laura Dern and Sam Neill have, you know, been uh, estranged and we want to I want to see. I want to see if they get back together over a raptor or two. I'd I'd have to see that. (laughs) Well, we've
2: also seen the mishandling of legacy characters being brought back and ruining the final chapter of a legacy IPs, you know, run in a galaxy not so far, far away recently, too, you know, Mm -hmm. and a diminished box office because of it. So yeah, I have yeah, terms it happen I have terms okay I'm not saying this movie won't break a billion dollars and obviously if it does that's a big success. I'm talking I'm trying to hone more in on the domestic box office of it all because I agree it's yeah. going to be a big overseas. So here are my terms If this movie does under a billion dollars worldwide, I win If this movie is <laughs> if this movie is under 334 million domestically, which would be 80 percent of what the last Jurassic world movie did, I win. If Chris Pratt ultimately removes himself from voicing Mario in the upcoming Mario movie, I win. We all win. And if if any we do all win. And if any of these box office markers happen, but instead they happen for Avatar 2 and not this Jurassic Property, I win with an asterisk because you can make the exact same argument about uh, Avatar 2 as I'm making for this movie.
1: No, you cannot. Sure, you can. You cannot make the exact sure same. Sure, you argument. can. Nobody cares about Avatar 2. <laughs> 2009's Avatar was a, a 10 nominee just humongous smash hit and it was just uh, universally adored as a strong film and respected never mind the technological advancements and then he goes and he makes five movies in, in in 10 years and he's already done with two of them or you know he develops five movies in 10 years and he's already done with two of them and Jesus I don't know what Swell. you're talking about this is like Swell. completely <laughs> different
2: Swell, so, do you care about Avatar 2?
0: Not particularly. Like I go. think it'd be hilarious <laughs> if it flopped.
2: Nobody cares about
1: Avatar 2, How old were you in 2009? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> do not answer. Go ahead, Mike. What's your last film? All right. Well, I'm I'm also worried about Jurassic Jurassic World Dominion, but You're I'm less worried, worried about Avatar 2. Are you worried? Too. Yeah. I'm worried about Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion. Uh I'm sorry, I'm having trouble speaking. I got a cold, which is not COVID, thank God, but it is it is a cold. Anyway, 3,000 Years of Longing mm. is uh, a film that I mentioned in last year's show. I'm mentioning it again this year because we've been waiting for it forever. And I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to touch it again. I was just going to let it be. And then they released The Still Guys, which I put in the doc mm-hmm. of Idris Ooh. Elba, Elf Ears, mm-hmm. with tilda swinton non-immortal at this moment in time but we all know she's going to be by the end of it and just in general in real life she's staring at his back which is ridiculous but all right and and the fact that his beard he's three thousand year old three three thousand years old as an angel jinn d-j-i-n-n i I know what a (laughs) jinn he's got elf ears well most most people may... I don't know who who does, who doesn't. You, you probably seen porno with gins in it. Oh my Jesus god, Christ, Mike! What we? No, she just talks about are you sexualizing effing. me, Mike? My god! I'm saying that you've admitted to the fact that TikTok is just monster sex crazy. No, what are the kids doing now? They're watching monsters have sex. No, no.
0: okay, we're reading smut. It's 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 high literature. Okay. We're classy like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would... Alright, have you read any smut about angels and gin? Me, no. (laughs) Okay.
0: Not personally.
2: If this is leading to a fan fiction with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba have sex on screen all day, I'll tell you, I will see that movie.
1: Look, at <laughs> the fact that she's not breaking and laughing hilariously at these ears every time she looks over, that's why she can't look at him in this still, because if she does, it, she'll break into the tears laughing. Do you have at a therapy background?
0: Ear. You're getting a lot out of this one <laughs> image.
1: Why does he have a touch of gray on the chin and cleft of his <laughs> beard? It's the gin soul patch, th-
0: obviously. <laughs>
1: When you're 3,000 years old, you have to go with a t- just-for-men touch of gray? I mean, just because I mean, you're 3,000 years old doesn't
2: mean you can't be well-groomed, right? He doesn't need a, a Gandalf
1: beard. I had a laundry list of issues last year. I'm developing a new laundry list of issues this year because of this one issue. There's so also, high
0: maintenance, my God.
1: With this, this ridiculous robe and something that comes up to the tip of her neck, the nape of her neck here... They're not having sex this long. I mean, that's the...
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: I did not think... This is also a problem. I did
1: not think your pick of this was going to just be a total psychoanalysis of this one picture. This one picture... It's worrying me. He's also also, uh, a couple inches away from a turtleneck with those ears. Again, (laughs) it's strange. Oh,
0: my God.
1: But all right, let me get into the, the My judgmental heart is
2: so happy right now.
1: <laughs> 3000 years of longing. 3000 years of longing is a passion project from George Miller. Yes. Right? It's a 70-80 million dollar budget, I believe, 60 million dollar budget. So that's reasonable. But fine, George Miller. He has not directed a live action drama Michael since 1992. Lorenzo's older
0: than I am.
1: Oh, fuck you. No. <laughs> Lorenzo Zoil, I thought was one word as a child. Whenever I heard somebody say that, sure, uh, that uh, that title Lorenzo Zoil, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really I'm really rattled by that because the fact that it's Lorenzo, and then his oil man that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, I thought it was Ralph Lorenzo Zoil. <laughs> And I'm really just, okay, but we have...
2: I feel like I'm watching you unravel right now, Mike. i got to be honest. I'm,
1: I I. don't understand why this movie is it's just picked by Cannes uh, the same way Mad Max Fury Road was picked, out of competition <sighs> for them. So that is a mark in its favor. Like bless you, They're well. using the same buildup. Yeah, bless you there. And, and, Thank however, you. However, <laughs> we have not seen out-of-competition films at Cannes do very well in an Oscars conversation. Rocket Man got an original song, but obviously it underperformed. Let's look at a couple out-of-competition slates, though, for recent Cannes Film Festivals, Michael. In 2018, we had Gotti, the house that Jack built, the house that Jack built, and the man who killed Don Quixote, also solo A Star Wars Story. Yeah. In 2016, we have the BFG... Money Monster, and Cafe Society. We've referenced you... Money Monster more on this episode than we ever have in the four years previous of doing the show. And I'm just not sold that this is going to be an Oscars contender. Uh, and did I mention he has elf ears? Elf ears in the, uh, <laughs> the still that was released. With a very serious face and elf ears. Um, Mr. Mistopheles cat.
3: Aside, oh, my aside,
2: God. Yeah, aside from your... I'm going to call it a mental breakdown over this picture. <laughs> I think the points you make about George Miller's CV and history are relevant. And I agree there's reason for concern about his ability to handle a drama. Has he done anything? I didn't look into his history. Has he done anything since Mad Max?
1: Well, he's done Happy Feet. He did the Happy right, Feet movies. Right, right. So again, not you know, a big hit, but not uh, Oscar-level drama. Yeah. I share
2: I your concerns know. about this. I do. I, I understand. I don't share your delusion about
1: an outrage about why isn't there a big shaggy beard on Idris Elba's character? Um, I don't need a big shaggy beard, but you're just taunting me with the touch of gray. You're taunting me. <laughs> it's just like, what does that even mean?
2: I, I I completely understand why you're so concerned about Elvis now as well, and why you're so concerned thing. about House of Gucci.
1: Here's another thing. Another still that was released, I believe it was a young Idris Elba or how he looks now because he's the guy's in the greatest shape ever. Mm -hmm. But he's like just in the medieval streets with an Indiana Jones jacket. Or maybe that was taken from another film. But I'm guessing this could be heavily flashbacked because they're in one hotel room during one night. So you're not going to be in a George Miller movie just there so this thing is going to flashback to all what a bunch of nonsense and i don't like flashback stories typically so that's a, another reason why you know i'm biased against three thousand years of longing there's they a also lot may happening span,
0: from this one still apparently
1: they also <laughs> may span three thousand years the story what so what is what is Tilda Swinton's role in this if she goes into the bargain right because the bargain is you get three wishes in, in exchange for my freedom I think she gets the free three wishes, but I don't know if I want to spoil it. But something happens to her as a result. You could just
0: does she get a soul patch? A touch of a guy?
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. I I do, I do think I know, but I, it's not. Uh, I have no not defense. I I agree. I'm, it's I'm... not the Mike Flanagan gin movie that or that was going to be a gin movie anyway. The the Netflix series vampires. I I don't, uh, I don't remember. I I. I'm not excited to, to trance out to the theater and see this. I agree. And uh, I was starting to say before, there was uh, there was rumors that was coming out in the spring, like they were going to push it to the spring, but maybe that was Cannes. Maybe that was, all right, we're going to put it out in, for Cannes. I
2: like that so. that argument you made, too, about the out-of-competition uh, films that are show at Cannes. I didn't realize that, other than the house that Jack built, which obviously should have been Oscar-nominated.
3: Hmm. Barf.
2: <laughs> Barf. <laughs> We could, we could wrap up. Uh, the last year, the three of us did this episode, and we agreed that West Side Story was something that it uh, had a lot of red flags and very much concerned us. Uh, this year, taking the honorary West Side Story spot, Elvis, I, I. I <laughs> Look, Mike <laughs> and only, I have...
0: I'm going to be honest. The only thing God. I'm looking forward to it is uh, Doja Cat just debuted her original song for the movie Vegas at Coachella, and I liked it a lot. But I also love Doja Cat, and anything she does, I do think is incredible. So I could be biased.
2: What did you think about Tom Hanks looking like Jar Jar Binks throughout the trailer?
1: <laughs> Jar Jar Hanks yeah. is what I called yeah. <laughs> like But But look... Why is Tom Hanks narrating this trailer like he's Winnie the Pooh? I, I mean, I look down at a honeypot piglet. You should. Yeah, no, no, no. Do your impression of the trailer. It was my the, the destiny.
0: Trailer. Do your impression of the trailer. <laughs> What's the line from the trailer? Come on, commit. Commit to the bit.
2: We got the, the burgeoning actor trying to while he's uh,
1: yeah While he's on a uh, Ferris wheel and I stared across at what was my destiny, Piglet? That's not bad for Robin. It's not bad yeah. for what Tom. I mean, Tom why is like? he? Every th- every time, and I have a. I, I'm so sick <laughs> right now that it's just. I, I have no <laughs> idea what that sounds like. I can barely hear you guys with how much <laughs> I'm going through. But I, look at the aging effects on Austin Butler are already are also weird. Like they just make him literally shinier. Like he's, he goes from like 20, uh, 19 to forty years old, and his face is just shiny. That's what they did.
2: Yeah. He, he doesn't look like Elvis to me. I mean, I understand the the makeup and everything and like he, he's supposed to be this idol, but I, I don't know. From my memories of Elvis, I don't see him in, in Austin Butler
1: and his portrayal, at least thus far in the trailer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm worried about the fat suit factor. Yeah, I'm worried about the fact that it's it's another one of those uh, biopics spanning the whole life, the whole career
2: of mm. an artist.
1: Where, like, the middle of the trailer is mentioning all of the big moments of the 20th century, for Christ's sake. And, like, Elvis is going to respond to those. He, uh, so I, why? Why do we have to go there, Baz Luhrmann? But he, I guess he has to because he has to cover everything in every movie. But, I mean, he could he's done fun movies before. He, and they have been awesomely, deliciously bad when they're bad. So, I mean, this still could be that. But Elvis... Was like one third of a great trailer. Like I love the Gary Clark shredding yeah. of the cu- guitar. Like I said, and then it just went on for two other bad trailers long, and Tom Hanks made me laugh every time. It used I like a reflex. I laughed at every single thing he said, even if it what he said was profound.
2: I, I also have concerns about why, you know, never mind why is he why is Tom Hanks doing the voiceover, but why isn't he the antagonist of the story? So are we yeah. going to see this whole? aren't we going to see this whole movie through the eyes of, of the guy who's supposed to be the bad guy when it's Elvis's life story. That's weird to me. Is he the bad guy
1: or is don't they have the, a falling uh, out
2: him and his manager?
1: I don't know. I don't know the real story, which is probably a reason why we're all going to see this movie. Right. I mean, we're all going to see this movie. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So side note for the, so a little bit of tidbit from Elvira's, uh, uh, doc, uh, uh, memoir that came out, uh, a little while ago she talked about uh, Elvis and all hmm. of that and she says her own theory for you know how he passed away was because he was always very against her doing drugs when she was around him because she was a showgirl for a long time and um, she says that she hmm. believes that his management and the people around him kept trying to keep him drugged to keep him working so they could continue to make money and then that's what led to you know his ultimate demise so that's her oh, theory that's on terrifying. things that's terrifying wow mm-hmm.
2: I tell you, if that story gets told in this, then we can be completely wrong about this because that sounds intriguing as hell and also very, very depressing. Horrible. Yeah.
1: I hope I'm wrong about this. I love Elvis and uh, the fact that you love the, the soundtrack song that came out. Uh, mm. The fact that I can't... Have you either of you guys listened to the Gaga Top Gun Maverick song yet? Is that out yet? I mean, No. no I, heard, I, saw some, I haven't heard I've
0: it I have not yet. heard anything.
1: I hope it's good. But I love it when they, they have the tie-in, you know pop song that's great a great mm-hmm. movie like this a fun summer movie and it is so, a big
2: deal that they got doja cat too Who's like very very really hot, hot right, property right property now yeah. Instance, yeah
1: so hot right now <laughs> <I agree. laughs>
2: which movie do you want to see more right now mike between elvis and jar jar hanks or three thousand years of longing and soul patch gin
1: oh elvis easily yeah. i would see elvis i'm like if Three thousand years of longing gets bad reviews. I won't even see it. I just I can't I can't I won't even do it. Yeah. Like because I don't have to. We're pundits. We're not critics. Yeah. We don't have to see all these bad movies, do we? When they're bad. Well, to relate to the content that Amanda puts out, I have to. But
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah
1: but she does it so we
2: don't have to. Sometimes too. Yeah, true. that's true. Oh, look at that. That's some marketing for you.
0: But I I'm did it. Done. I tried
2: it so you don't have to. Yeah. Yep,
0: that's my whole bit. That's why I'm going to CrimeCon. I'm going so you don't have to. Thank you. In your <laughs> uh, Thank you for
3: your <laughs>
1: service. <laughs> we will run
2: out of here as we have impatient dogs on the helm that need uh, attention and t- TLC. Sorry. So, uh, no, no, you're totally fine. I, as always, Swell, we appreciate you jumping on and having fun with us. Uh, give yourself a quick plug. Tell people where to find your work and tell them what's coming up
0: so you guys can find me on the youtube channel swell entertainment all other social media is love you to golka um if you would also like to listen to my podcast where i'm far more chaotic and not only talking about movies you can go to the swell shenanigans podcast wherever you find podcasts or you can go to the swell shenanigans podcast youtube channel to see my cute face whenever i do a podcast and, yeah, upcoming uh, videos, Crime Con. Uh, I'm going to the Creator Clash Boxing Max Match in Tampa next month. Uh, the Creator, <laughs> the Culture of Influencer Coachella video coming up. So, yeah, lots of little things coming out that I'm excited about.
2: I, I do check out Amanda's uh, YouTube channel if you haven't yet. There's all kinds of fun stuff on there. And I, I love if you think we rant about things that we get obsessed over. <laughs> That's why there's such a kinship between uh, Swell and ourselves here. Uh, As far as what's coming next, Mike's going to tell you that in a moment. But as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything we have in this episode. Do you agree with some of our picks? Do you disagree? What are you most feared for coming out in this Oscar season, the rest of 2022? Let us know all of that. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at mm and oscar on Twitter, and Oscar at gmail.com. And on Reddit, we are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify, app if you appreciate what we do if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out a lot leave swell one as well for the swell shenanigans pod michael tell the good people what's coming next let's have some words of wisdom to end on
1: well, the words of wisdom are follow Amanda mm-hmm. and uh, join her Patreon as well. And vo- are you are you going for any more reality television shows, Amanda? What, so what went am, down? Did you get I am currently in the, the
0: finals of the uh, Influence Me TV. It is now only celebrity judging. Um, so I am waiting for my date for a Zoom call with one of the judges to see if I get cast on the show. There is no more public voting.
1: So, how can public people, or how could public voting? uh impress these judges what, Ooh, what if you if to want to go
0: to the influence me, uh, the influence me contest Instagram page and go and comment on their videos uh, how much Amanda should be cast on the show that would be lovely
1: there you go there we go words of wisdom right there get her on that show so she can annoy Mike yes uh, forever that would be perfect I would love that so much uh, with all your oh, stories if I, Mike
0: if I get crown if I get a crown from this show I will be insufferable <laughs> to Mike if that's what you want absolutely
1: that is exactly what I oh, want it's all Hey, please everyone vote for it. Yay. <laughs> That's all I want. But all right, MMO, uh we will be finishing the uh year in preview series with our one hundred percent accurate picks for next mm-hmm. year's ninety fifth Academy Awards. And I'm I'm really proud of this series this year, Mike. We You know, we previewed all the movies. We did our job in a three-part special, and then we were fair. We got to be negative sometimes. We got to go to negative town sometimes. We got to be honest with ourselves and criticize the marketing sometimes. And we we've done that last year. We'll do it this year. We're not just a bunch of toadies for the studios, Mm -hmm. which is what we've proven today. Uh, Thank you, Amanda, and uh, we did it. So we'll continue to do our uh, film studies, which some we like, some we do not like. Uh, of late, but Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Downton Abbey and New Era, Top Gun, Maverick, Lightyear, Elvis, Nope, Thor, Love and Thunder. Those are on the schedule as of now. Will we keep them? Will we not? We did the Northmen Easter Eggers uh, previously. That's our latest one. We did the Batman. We did Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a certain uh, swell guest mm-hmm. as well in the past. So We're covering the movies as we get them. We're also going to cover this hell out of the spring film festivals like Cannes and Tribeca this spring so we'll have that all plus another series or seven mini series or whatever the hell we'll do over the summer Mike whatever the hell with
2: and without swell sometimes guys as always when reality sucks you can come gear up for the next Oscar race with us and our friends we are Mike Mike and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness Uh, thanks again to Amanda we will see you all very soon
1: see ya bye